0: Adding pitch clocks to the minors has lowered game times by over 20 minutes. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on sports listeners, get $50 off of $500. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. So, Jeff Passon tweeted about it, wrote a story. Baseball America wrote a couple stories about it the pitch clock in the minor leagues has had a significant difference. So let's check in on that and a bunch of the other rule changes that we've seen in the minor leagues. Uh, Obviously, like I said, pitch clock's the big one. Now, the way the pitch clock works is for pitchers, you have 14 seconds with the bases empty and 18 seconds with the runner on. And the clock does not stop when you come set. The clock stops when you start your delivery so you can't do an extended hold you can't hold it things like that if you you know and the the clock starts when you receive the ball back and the umpire signals that we're good to go so if you violate the pitch clock it is an automatic ball now hitters also have a pitch clock they have to adjust to as well hitters must be ready to hit With 9 seconds remaining on the clock. And they cannot step out of the box without permission from the umpire. So if they violate this, it's an automatic strike. So let's talk about what this has done to minor league game times. Because that's one of the big things here. Pace of play, right? So the, the average length of game this year in Major League Baseball has been 3 hours and 10 minutes. Now, right now, we're not seeing a ton of offense. It is cold. As it gets warmer, as offense increases, that's going to go up. But that is historically pretty close to around where it usually is. Uh, Now, for minor league baseball, there's two sets of data that they're looking at. They have a control group that did not have the clocks on, so they are following all of last year's rules. And then they have... The rest of the miners that have the pitch clocks on. So that control group. Uh, this year, their games are 2 hours and 59 minutes on average. Uh, last year, over like 5,000 minor league games, it came out to 3 hours and 3 minutes. So uh, it takes a couple minutes up as you get farther in the season and it's warmer and off, there's more offense going on. In minor league games that have had the pitch clock, which as of the time of Baseball America and Jeff Passan writing their articles was about 130 or so games. We were looking at 2 hours and 39 minutes. So 20 minutes better. And the big thing here is there's been no other significant effects of the pitch clock other than that. So you look at runs per game. Um, The control group, which, again, about 300 games played, 5.13 runs per game. The pitch clock group, 5.11 runs per game. So 0.02 runs per game. That is well well within the, the, the measurement variance. 16.1 hits per game for the control group. 15.9 hits per game for the clock group. Again, within the variance of measurement. You can have one game... Completely skewed that. One, you know, pitching duel that's nothing, nothing into the ninth. Skews that whole thing. Um, and then, of these 132 games that you've seen, on average, uh, they have about 145 pitches thrown per team. The control group's at about 153. And batters per team, you have about 37 batters come to the plate per team in the con. In the clock group, where the control group's about 38.5. So, not a lot of change to offense. Not a lot of change to, to run production, to hits, to number of batters. You lose about a batter, batter in half a game. Uh, but, less pitches thrown. And, it feels like a lot of the time, it comes out of the missing space between pitches. And, later in the show, I kind of want to break down some of the questions people have about how this works... Break down some of the questions about other places that this may have accounted for. But the big takeaway here is games are dramatically shorter. So this is really interesting here. Um, One game in this 130 game clock group. One game finished in 1 hour and 59 minutes. Another game finished at 2 hours on the dot one-third of all of the games played in that group finished under two and a half hours. And then another 27% finished between two and a half hours and two hours and 40 minutes, which is an increase of like three times as many games as in 2021. Because in 2021, over half of all minor league baseball games took more than three hours. And right now with the pitch clocks on, we're looking at, fifth, like fifth, I think it's 15%. Of games are more than three hours. So I mean again. Huge takeaway. Is it dramatically shortens the game. And there's somebody out there. I don't know who it is. There's somebody out there saying. Well hey. I'm here to watch baseball. Why are you taking baseball away from me? You're like. This is less time that I get to spend in the ballpark. And the thing is. Yes. But no. We're not taking away actual baseball because you heard the pitches per team, the batters per team, uh, the runs and hits per per game are essentially the same within the measurement variance. What we're taking away is wasted time between them. Now I'm not saying we have to normalize for efficiency and get as absolutely tight as possible, but I'm saying that we can give you in essence the same product, but we can do it and save you 20 minutes. We're not wasting 20 minutes of your time. It's like we're still giving you the barbecue sauce. It's just not watered down. It's just the straight barbecue sauce. Tastes exactly the same. It's not we're not wasting stuff there. There's like so bad analogy. Whatever. The point is, you're getting the same amount functionally of baseball. You're having less of your time wasted. And in just a minute, I do want to go into some of those additional questions about how this works, um, some of the other places we've seen them save time, and some of the other rule changes and how they've affected things so far. But first, today's episode, as we mentioned up top, is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. So whether uh, she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mother. Shop high quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. So, the thing here is you're able to celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. And this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from Bluenile.com. Locked on sports listeners get $50 off of $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKED ON. That's code LOCKED ON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what is inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. As Sully mentioned in yesterday's yesterday's show, I'm really glad that it's not a giant wooden crate that says jewelry on the side, like you'd see in Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. But BlueNile.com. Code locked on. So, some of the questions people have here about saving time in the minors. There's a couple questions that I've heard, and J.J. Cooper does a good job of addressing some of this in the Baseball America piece. But the first one is, they say, well, how much of it, how much time is being wasted by commercials? And so, if you look at the time between innings, when it comes to... Uh, when, when it comes to major leagues versus the minor leagues. Major league games are about 3 hours and 10 minutes, whereas minor league games are about 3 hours. And between innings, for minor leagues, the between-inning switchover is about 2 minutes. The the major league, it's about 2.30. And then in reality, in the minors, it takes them an extra 10-15 seconds. And in the pros, it takes them about an extra 10-15 seconds. So, if if it's an extra 30 seconds every switchover in the big leagues that's eight and a half minutes that accounts for almost all of the 10 minutes you have a pitching change things like that that's kind of where you get that 10 minute figure uh the different there's not really a huge difference outside of the extra time built already built into the game right there so i think and i i'm a person who had that same question like if you just cut back on the ads you'd be fine. Well, a lot of minor league broadcasts. If you people who watch who listen to this show are probably folks who pull up MILB.tv and you notice you don't see a ton of ads in a minor league baseball broadcast. Sometimes it's just a high home camera and it's like you, a couple scouts, and the kids' mamas watching. Uh, which, if their mamas are watching, the kids should go to blueknob.com and get them jewelry for Mother's Day. But I think it's skewed because national games will always have more ads. So, like, if you were watching Southern Night Baseball on ESPN they're going to ha- usually have more ad time built into that. Postseason games. Other than the like, we've had a week and a half of baseball, of Major League Baseball. Outside of that, everybody was been, was watching postseason games. And those games obviously have a lot more uh, ad time and commercial time. I mean, those are four-hour games. They are slogs. Like, you can play 18 holes or you can watch one night-inning baseball game. It's nuts. But looking at some of the other places... That they were able to save time with the pitch clock in. So, like the time between pitches has dropped from on average 21 and a half seconds to about 19.7. The time between batters has dropped from about 43 to about 39.7. The inning break. I mentioned it's supposed to be a hard two minutes. You've got guys walking off at the beginning, guys, you know, guys getting in the box and getting ready at the at the uh the, at the end of it. It's usually two minutes and 39 seconds it's down to two minutes and 27 seconds and then pitching changes are a thing that have gotten shorter as well so three hours and 16 minutes down to just about three minutes this is something that is i mean this it's 130 something games that we've seen this this year and that's kind of the next question and again baseball america does a great job at addressing this is, it's, well, is, this, is this just a small sample size thing? Is this just one of those, you know, right now there's not a lot of offense, so the games are shorter anyway kind of thing? And and no. So last year, one of the rule changes, they did it in advance in the California League. So the California League, eight teams, and you they did this for half a season last year. So of the five minor league baseball games that took less than two hours last year, all of them were in the California League, which had the pitch clock. There were 17 games in all of minor league baseball that were, I'm sorry, there were 17 California League games that were under two hours and 10 minutes. So half a season of eight teams presented uh, resulted in 17 games under two hours and 10 minutes. The entire rest of minor league baseball, 5,534 games across 112 teams collectively had 10 games come in at under two hours and 10 minutes. This year, with the pitch clock in place across the minors, we've already seen nine games come in at under two hours and 10 minutes. So between half a game or half a season of the California League. And now all of MLB, we can absolutely say, this is real. This is correct. The math is right. This is not a fluke. This is not an extremely small sample size alert. None of that stuff. This is true. This is how it works. Now, there are some concerns that I have that we need to make sure that we address and take care of in this situation. And there's a few of them. Some of them are relatively minor just behavioral changes some of them have the potential to actually cause some issues so the first one is hitters for the first time kind of have to make an adjustment because it has been very natural to after the pitch is received by the pitcher or by by the catcher he's throwing the ball back you step out you're fixing your gloves you're fixing your you know whatever now you have to keep a foot in the box unless you have permission leave the box if you come out of the box and don't have permission that's an automatic strike so a little bit of adjustment period up front not too concerned about that Uh, i do think the first time you see a big leaguer get a strike put on him that's on a rehab assignment who has not had to deal with the pitch clock yet that video is going to go around it's going to be viral it's going to be funny but A little bit of education you have to do to hitters. You probably should give a little bit of grace at the very beginning, understanding that hitters aren't used to having to pay attention to this, like pitchers are. The second thing is the umpires. I know none of us are here to see umpires, despite what they seem to think. But having to track an automatic ball or an automatic strike, watch the clock at the same time they're signaling, ready to play, all of that, that is another thing umpires have to keep track of. And so, you—I mean, you are—you have to be cognizant of the fact that you are adding a little bit more onto the plate of every single umpire. And so, the first again, the first time you see something like a balk, or you see this a lot in football, where a team will snap the ball with zero on the play clock, and the opposing team is all up in arms about it, and the fans are on Twitter tweeting pictures of of the center with his hand on the ball still hasn't moved and the clock shows zero, because the way it works in college football is once the official sees the clock is at zero, he then looks, he, they then look to see if the ball has been snapped or not. So if you snap right as the ball hits zero, you're okay, because they're going to be looking at the clock first, and then they have to look down to see if you've snapped the ball. By the time they've shifted their eyes once they see double zeros, you've already snapped it. So I imagine it's going to be something like that here as well. And there was a quote, I think it was in the passing piece. There was a quote from a pitcher about, I think it was Table Bay reliever Phoenix Sanders. I'm not going to forget that name, Phoenix. And um, he said that at two seconds, it's, at, it's either pitch or pickoff. Most guys want to pitch, but hitters are starting to be able to like, time that up and so guys that can run are going to be able to figure out as they're getting to two I can go ahead and extend my secondary lead or maybe get ready to take off because they're about to have to pitch or they're going to have to pivot and throw over here and in the third segment I do want to talk about some of the changes that have gone about how often you can throw over to first and pickoffs but the before that the other concern that I have is around international players. And we've seen, seen something with MILB Burners, the Twitter account, has already mentioned this. It's hard enough sometimes when there's a language barrier for a pitcher to come into the game with a new catcher, especially if he's new to the affiliate, hasn't really worked with that catcher yet, or new to the States, doesn't necessarily have a great grasp of English, and get on the same page. But now with the clock and the umpires trying to speed the game up, you're in a situation where a guy may spend the entire time he would have gotten for warm-up pitches just trying to get on the same page, page as the catcher. Or he takes his warm-up, his, warm-up, his warm-up pitches and then he goes to get on page with the catcher and they can't do it before time runs out. And he either takes the automatic ball or starts pitching without having an agreed set of signs with the catcher. So something that we've got to make sure that we that, we, that we're aware of and we try to find a way to, to take care of that whenever we can. And in just a minute, I do want to get into some of those other rule changes that have increased uh, some uh, an aspect of the game in the minor leagues. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your uh, betting stats and sports info. So get the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news. Uh, the NBA playoffs are going on right now, If that's if that's the thing for you. Uh, The Major League Baseball season is obviously in full swing. We're looking at Rookie of the Year odds. We're looking at Cy Young and uh, MVP and Futures and all of that. And BetOnline is your continued source for all of that wagering information as we make our way through the entire season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked on MLB Prospects your first listen. For your next listen... Check out the Locked On Now podcast. So, as somebody who has 120 minor league affiliates that I'm trying to keep track of, there's no way I can track, keep track of major league baseball as well. Uh, you know, so many games being played every single day. The Locked On Now podcast is recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts. It takes fans through the season like no other network can do. It's free, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's become part of my morning commute. Completely love this. It's about Thirty or so minutes, and I get a complete update as far as everything that happened in MLB last night. You know, all the games that were played yesterday, or if there were, or if the game didn't play for some reason, whether it's a COVID outbreak or uh, a weather postponement. So locked on now, wherever you get your podcasts. So the third thing I wanted to to make sure we we when it comes to these rule changes, is about steals. So last season was a low at the Major League level for steals. We averaged 1.2 steals per game. If you watched a five-game series, on average, you would see six stolen bases in five games. Stolen bases are fun. Analytically, they're not an incredibly smart thing to do because the risk of an out is so, like the, the weight of an out is so much greater than the benefit you get from a steal. But they're fun. Minor league baseball last year, we had about two and a half steals per game at the minor league level. You have to remember, um, especially in like in the low minors, a lot like big variability in skill level between the players. So you're going to see more steals. It's more open game in the minor leagues. In minor league baseball this season, in that hundred and you know in that hundred thirty so game sample with the pitch clocks, you've seen about three steals per game. So you've increased it by half a steal per game. Part of it is the pitch clock, like the quote was from Phoenix about the uh, when it's two seconds left on the pitch clock, you're able to go. But another aspect of this has also been uh, the limitation on pickoffs. So the way this works, not at AAA, but below that, is you get two pickoff attempts or step-offs per at-bat. So you can, there's a guy on first, you can throw over to first or you can step off and reset the pitch clock. Twice in an at-bat. On the third time, you go to throw to first. If you don't get the runner, it is an automatic bulk and everybody moves up a base. Probably the only time I think you're going to see people mess around with that third pickoff and with a hold getting down past two seconds and either taking the ball or throwing over to first is going to be a situation where you have a runner on first, but you also have a full count to the batter and you're trying to steal an out. If you've, you've tried to pick them twice now and you're stuck in the rest of this at-bat, you cannot throw over unless you absolutely get them. You may wait until 3-2 count Try to pick him. Because if you don't pick him, he moves to second. If you walk this batter anyway, he was going to be on second. You didn't give anything up. So I could see that maybe being a place where you try to get a little strategic with with it. I can't say that I love the rule. Simply because I don't like the rules that limit how you're able to play the game of baseball. Um, now, granted, I say that. I have not ha- had a chance to watch... A full game with this rule in place so maybe this is something where when I watch it I'm really going to appreciate it I didn't think I'd appreciate the seven inning double the seven inning double headers I really like that as well so maybe that's something that I will end up appreciating once they get there another thing that we've seen in the minors so far that is having an impact is limitations on shifts so you have to have four guys on the dirt and then two guys on each side of second that's not completely across the minors yet, but that is being implemented. Again, another one of those rules that I don't necessarily love because I don't like ha- them limiting the way you can play defense. It The analogy to football for me is like if they came and said, hey, you can play zone coverage, but you can't play cover two. You can't put guys here. You can't do this. You can play zone defense, but you can you have to have five guys on the, you know on the outside or four guys on the each side of on the outside of each hash you know and made up rules about how you could spread your guys out and how you could lay it out so not sure how I'm going to feel about that but then you also look at rule changes the larger bags so they increase the size of the bags at first second third um, this Technically closes, like, closes the distance between bases. I don't think it's enough to really make a difference. You're running 90 feet. I don't think an extra six inches matters. But what does matter is the ability to have more landing space to get in and touch a bag. So I, that does have an, a little bit of an effect on this. And part of me doesn't love the fact that you have multiple changes at once. And so if you're looking from the perspective of steel's, how much of the increase in steals is the pickoff rules how much of that is the larger bases how much of that is the pitch clock we don't necessarily know how much of each so that's something we definitely have to be cognizant of and and, and understand before we bring some of the rules like shift limits and things like that up from the low minors into the rest of major league uh, into the rest of the minors and then to major league baseball We've got a great rest of the week coming up. Uh, Friday, we're doing another edition of our Farm Friday, the number two farm system, the Tampa Bay Rays, talking all about their affiliates up and down the system. They had a historic year last year. Every affiliate except for one won their championship, and that other affiliate played and lost their championship. So fantastic year of accomplishment as far as a minor league system. Obviously tons of players. uh, Headlined by Wander Franco, one of the better prospects we've seen of some people have said of this generation. I think he was the earliest player to get a long-term extension uh, from, like, from number of days of service time when he debuted to when he signed the extension. So, but you know, but until then, this has been locked on MLB.